all hear me um welcome to uh welcome to the show welcome to welcome to joining me in my uh funny little corner of the the, the spare room uh, <laughs> oh pleasure to have you all look at this it's episode 91 a page turned through the union connectivity review um yeah uh i've just just jumped off from parliamentlive.tv watching the uh well, I was watching the Opposition Day debate, but of course, Rhys Mogg has come in and smashed up the, that in order to give out this this um, statement about COVID, which, to be fair, the debate is all fine with COVID, apart from some of the more loopy Tory MPs coming in. And uh, Philip Davis, God, I hate that man so much. He is an awful man. He is an awful, awful man. Uh, Tory MP for Shipley, I think. Dreadful. Anyway, um, oh, wait a minute. Thanks, Dina. <laughs> uh, oh, I'll tell you what's just happened there. Uh, what's happened there is Dina's handed me this. Uh, that's right. It's it's a it's it's rail natter merch. Is this mug a gadget ban? Uh, you can and it's got some Roy Bosch in it. Uh, you're welcome to purchase the uh, the old uh, rail natter merch if you want a rail natter mug. But it seems right to have a rail natter mug, right? And also there's there's masks. There's where, where is it? I need to go this way. There, there's the mask behind my head. There it is, the real metal mask. Uh, actually, that's an old one. They look slightly different now. Uh, anyway, from Masquette, go, there, go go get that. And also you can get this lovely British Railways one, Regional Railways. It's, it's terrific. Anyway, enough waffling. What are we here to talk about today? Um, I can have a sip of tea. Hello, everyone. Lovely to see you. Oh. Yes, you got a big face. Right, let's go back to this, shall we, and press on. Uh, what are we first starting with? We're starting with the uh, the latest uh, of the uh, the COVID results. So, uh, COVID ridership, let's have a look, shall we? Well, to be honest, not much to report. I'm not even going to get my whack out. I'm going to leave it in here because um, there doesn't look to be much going on, really. Uh, it's sort of steadily climbing. There's been this little sort of, you see this sort of standard um, pitch downwards that we see from the the results but the, the the kind of the predicted results but they, they're never right they always kind of you know they bounce back upwards again so yeah I mean, it's continuing to sort of steadily climb actually is that the latest one of i wait a minute hold that thought let me go back big face again because i i think having done the update i have a sneaking suspicion this is not the latest version let me just oh it's gone there we are bear with me a sec while i while i go in here yeah it isn't i, I, I forgot to bring it in let me grab this that's what you want and minimize that and then pop that back in there and then <laughs> professional as ever uh, and then go back to this there we are that's better uh, i know it's the same oh it is the same oh i must have updated it anyway um you can see that it's pitching kind of downwards but also uh anyway it is the same one so i must have updated it properly oh well uh, not quite this is it's it's kind of steadily climbing and then it predicts it actually the revised numbers it, it's mis it's misleading because actually the revised numbers it keeps tailing off at the end of it showing the the predict the, the actual numbers and then that tail keeps lifting again so it's steadily climbing we're well above um we're on our way to kind of towards 80 percent now between 75 and 80 percent um so yeah it'll be interesting to see uh, we might see that this reverses if we're being encouraged to, to stay at home again because of the, the new variant, then it's a potential that this, this will drop again. Um, let, let's see what happens. But we're, we're at or above 75% already. So we, we've kind of beaten this target point for growth. So so we've kind of already achieved this, even if we... Uh, for, for anyone who's not familiar with this, these are, this is percentage of... Um, this is the as a percentage of um, pre-COVID ridership where we're at. So we're at 75 to 80% of pre-COVID levels in, in rail now. Um, bus is firmly set at 80 cycling is bouncing around underneath 100 uh, road is at 100% so um, 
Yes. I, I suppose I could get the rolling seven-day average of these, couldn't I? And it might level out some of the, the, the wibbling. Uh, anyone who wants that to happen... In fact, there is someone. Deirdre, Detour, if you're in here, on the Discord, suggest to me whether you think this would be more uh, would be more useful if it was a seven-day rolling average. Um, anyway. Uh, so... What are we going to talk about today? Well, first of all, before we go into talk about today's subject, we have to talk about the news. Uh, actually, no, before even that, a big shout out to, to everyone who's still on strike, who's been striking for um, for the UCU. Uh, solidarity to um, everyone who has who's been on the picket lines and to those supporting them. Um, yeah, it's continued. I think there's strike, there's strike action. There's another little session again coming up, isn't there? Um, oh, uh, yes, yeah, so 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 solidarity to the UCU uh, folks, uh, to everyone at universities and colleges across the country who are on strike, uh, who, who have been on strike. Um, just going to skip back. Uh, yeah, good. I just had a good question, uh, Dave. Uh, as a reminder, what percentage of the pre-COVID timetable is running? I don't know if the new one's been introduced yet, but the the, the old one was. Uh, it ranged from, uh, in some cases, as low as sixty percent. Train up full train operating company running sixty percent of its pre COVID timetable. In other cases, it's about one hundred percent. I think it's between, so it's, it's kind of ranges between that depending on train operator. Um, uh, I think the average, what, what was the average? I think the average was between. Uh, I think I was saying no. I think it was sixty to eighty percent. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, yes. So that's that, that's the condition. Actually, Deirdre, I do it in Excel. Don't don't wince. So Deirdre, I'll do it as a seven day rolling average. Um, I'm going to update all of them accordingly because they are a bit wibbly and it, it, it can it, it's a bit scrappy than it needs to be and I think it'll be clearer as a seven-day average, yeah. Um, new one comes in on Sunday, says Michael C. Thanks, yeah. Oh, Tom, uh, your wife's been on the picket line. So is mine. So is Dina. Dina's been on the picket line as well. Um, or Dina's certainly been striking. Actually, she's been striking. Uh, I stand to... I'm not sure whether she's been on the picket line because it's very early morning, so I'm not sure. Uh, I, I'll withhold that <laughs> just in case she hasn't. Um, anyway, right, so... Um, let's press on with the news... Uh, firstly, let's uh, let's see Louise Hay, uh, as the new Secretary of State for the sh new Shadow Secretary of State for Transport in action, shall we? The benefits of these schemes would be to get those fast, long-distance trains off the existing infrastructure and free up capacity for local services and for freight. This is not the local transport revolution that was promised to the people of the North and the Midlands. In fact, what is now before us is not only less than what was promised, but could deliver a poorer service for many of our towns, cities and communities than the already unexpected acceptable service they currently have. And in the middle of a climate emergency, when we know we need to double rail capacity in order for the government to meet its own net zero target, the decision makes even less sense. So there we go. That is uh, Louise putting putting Grant Shapps through the blender. And he had absolutely nothing. He had no response whatsoever. Uh, no response at all. Um, yeah, some familiar lines there, I, I hope, to, to regular RailNet viewers. But um, Louise absolutely knocking it out of the park. She was, she did have the Northern Ireland brief and was by rights um, very, uh, very well regarded in it. An eye for detail and impacts on local people. Um, so to be fair, pretty ideally suited um, to the, the transport brief. So um, yeah, good stuff really. Uh, so that's a, a, a bit of hope for us all is that we have a, a what seems to be a very effective uh, Shadow Secretary of State for Transport. So I'm quite pleased about that. Um, what else is in the news? Well, talking of our special boy, Grant Shapps, um, he's uh, full of cold air, not hot air, cold air, um, because, of course, he's obsessed with flying. He is constantly obsessed with flying. He goes on about flying and driving all the time. He is 
Uh, I mean, he's a nasty piece of work. If you watch the if you watch the the uh, opposition day debate, he he just comes across as a bell end. I'm sorry, but he really does. He's just it doesn't have any interest in what's being said. He is he's just repeating the same lines from when they actually briefed the thing out. He constantly says, "Look at the detail." When it's like, "No, no, no," it's incredibly patronising to say that to someone who's clearly looked at the detail and indeed been briefed on the detail. Um, just. Anyway, but uh, but our special boy, Grant Shapps here, is saying, imagine flying anywhere in the world with zero emissions. Guilt-free flying is one step closer today as our uh, UK Aero Institute project unveils a brand new liquid hydrogen plane design. This encouraging progress comes as I chair the Jet Zero Council again with Quasi Quarteng. Um, folks, Jet Zero doesn't exist. It's not a thing, and it will not exist, at least not for decades, if not for until the end of the century. We are decades away from jet from jet zero whatever that is and jet zero ignores the fact that a substantial volume of the um global warming effects come from uh come from the aerosol effects of aircraft up top which is influenced by no matter what is powering them so uh just good grief um yeah so uh just just just, he is obsessed with flying you can see this by his intervention over airfields i don't think i put it in the news but he has made a He's actually got told off for lobbying for airfields against, uh, you know, to keep airfields so that he can fly in his private jet. Anyway, um, so this is junk. Uh, and anyone who thinks that, I mean, there is a lot of research showing that Jet Zero and the idea that we're going to be able to fly with zero emissions is is just not happening anytime soon at scale. Little hop, kind of island hopper aircraft, maybe. Long distance, no. What else? Oh yeah, this a few. Uh, yeah, this this got this got a few of you quite interested. Um, uh, and responding in a variety of ways. Um, yeah, facial recognition on Eurostar. Uh, folks, facial recognition technology at borders is just bad news. We should not be encouraging it in any way whatsoever. There are better ways to do this. If we're worried about queuing at the Eurostar, you're know, going through Eurostar, then develop better systems, employ more people. Uh, don't do Brexit. But the, the facial recognition um this is bad. We should have none of this because it deeply entrenches, further entrenches and exaggerates existing prejudices, um, particularly racial ones. Uh, it's No, this is bad. We should be pushing back on this. This is just really, really bad news. Oh, dear me. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Eurostar testing facial recognition systems on uh, London, uh, at St Pancras. This is, no, uh, I'm very unhappy about this. This is this is not good. And I know a lot of you pushed back and said, oh, it's no more than happens at airports and blah, blah, blah. But the point is we should be pushing back. We're better than this. You know, we're better than this as an industry. We should be pushing back on facial recognition technology. Um, Right, that's the end of the news. And we're going to talk about the Union Connectivity Review. We're going to do a page turn. Um, so Peter Hendy's report, we're going to look at it, whether it's any good. We're going to consider whether um, there's anything of any use in it. It's, you know, I, we, I suppose in a way it's a unique... Well, tell you what, let's, let's, let's talk about it once we, once we come back after, I've, after we've done the intro. Because it's already, um, it's already 11 minutes past. <laughs> oh, crikey. Uh, well, anyway, it only remains for me to welcome you all uh, to tonight's Rail Natter. <laughs> the lovely InterCity 225, led, I might point out, by a Class 91, fades away, um, it is episode 91, so I just thought it's worth uh, worth going, oh yeah, uh, the Class 91. 
is uh, is is on our screens. Anyway, enough of me waffling. Here is an island. It's a weird little place. In fact, here is a cluster of however many several hundred islands that make up the archipelago of the British Isles. Um, actually, it's a bit of an old-fashioned way to describe it. I think. What I don't think the island of Ireland would be very happy being part of the British Isles. Is there a, is there a modern name? Is there a proper modern name for it? Is it like the North Atlantic Archipelago or something? Or I don't know the the northeastern Atlantic Archipelago. Uh, what? What is any there? I, I know for a fact there are people from the, from the Republic of Ireland in the chat. What's your preference on uh, on on, call, on on naming this weird cluster of islands? Um, this big one here. Oh wait a minute, let me just do this. This big one here. Uh, this one is called. Uh, this one's called Turf Island. There we are. Uh, and then the rest have a variety of much prettier names. Um, uh, yes. So just inverted commas. These islands. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yes. So, um, yeah, Sean McDonald, yeah, the, 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 the two-year-old said, I have the engine. Hello, two-year-old. Hello, um, uh, young, young McDonald, two-year-old. It's either the engine. It's not quite as, uh, it's, uh, I'm sitting on a gold mine. It's not quite, uh, it's not quite as good as I have the engine. I'll be, I'll be, fr- fr- I'll, I'll freely admit. Um, that weird place over there, apparently. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this cluster of islands, but there, there, there are issues. Uh, the, the main issue is that part, this is for, for various reasons. The top bit of this of this of the island of Ireland and the bottom bit of the island of Ireland, for for you know like colonialism reasons, this is not one country. It's it's two. It, it's it's one country plus a bit of the country that is this bit, um, which is a problem because obviously there's, a, there's as we've discussed in the in the fixed link to to the island of Ireland. Actually, it was the fixed link to Northern Ireland that I shoehorned in to get people in, but actually I was shoehorning in a discussion of connecting these two major islands and, and kind of ignoring the the, the borders. Uh, borders are rubbish, get rid of borders, blah, blah, blah. Um, there's a bit of an issue here. And if you're trying to keep a country together, you've got a big sea a gap in the sea here. That's an issue. The other issue we have is that um, uh, a lot of people aren't very happy with, uh, particularly in this, in this kind of, this bit up here is called Scotland. And a lot of people in uh, in Scotland are not very happy with the rest of the country. And indeed, there's also, and yes, the border is more complex than this, there's also a bit down here that's called Wales. Um, and they're not very happy with the pe- with what's going on in here, particularly what's going on in this sort of, this little circle here. Um, and and so everyone's very unhappy. Um, Iona, Islands of the North Atlantic is the one that, um, that has been uh, used. Oh, that's quite nice, actually. I quite like Iona. That's quite nice. I mean, that's confusing because, of course, um, also, where are we? Iona is an actual thing. Uh, Iona is where's, where's where's Mull? Mull is up here. Iona is like here. Is that right? Iona's there. I think is it there or is it at the top? Anyway, that's Mull. So Iona's up there. Uh, but this is this is overall. I quite like that though. I I dot o dot n dot a islands of the North Atlantic. Uh, proposed uh, anyway. It's quite quite nice. Uh, yeah, Cornwall's not happy either. Cornwall Cornwall down here isn't isn't happy. There's there's Cornwall. They're not happy. Uh, actually, everyone north of basically uh, here isn't. They're not. They're not happy either. Uh, so everyone's unhappy. This is red on green, which is dreadful, as we previously discussed. Everyone's unhappy, and so what the problem? The trouble is, um, Boris Johnson and and the current Conservative Party are like obviously massively pro-union, and they're conscious of the fact that their actions, particularly in relation to Brexit, have ma- pushed the country, pushed this this kind of collection of islands apart from the republic of ireland sorry dear friends over in the republic of ireland we want to be with you and um, has pushed uh, uh pushed the whole country to the brink of disintegration or rather pushed this collection of countries because scotland and wales 
certainly Scotland, I don't exactly know constitutionally whether Wales is a country or not, but certainly Scotland is an actual country, has pushed this whole United Kingdom to the brink of total disintegration, which um, I'm increasingly feeling is a good idea, but certainly uh, I might not have in the past, but I'm feeling increasingly like it is a good idea. But anyway, so what do you do about this? Well, what you do is um, you you do a big report that's going to suggest infrastructure to collect, to bring it all close together and make us all very happy again and, and be very happy about the fact that the United Kingdom exists as a thing. And so that's what the that's that's kind of discussion. Also, it's worth me just pointing out um, that uh, there is a distinction that I make, and I don't always succeed in making it between UK and GB, particularly in relation to railways, because the GB the GB rail network is, is specifically I call it the GB rail network because it is the the rail network of England, Wales, and Scotland. UK it's not the UK rail network because that suggests and ignores, frankly, it ignores. Uh, Northern Ireland. And I, I constantly make the mistake, but I tr- do my very best to catch myself when I do it. I do it in interviews. I sometimes say, like, network rail in charge of the UK's rail infrastructure. No, in charge of GB rail infrastructure. And so I, I often, uh, I, it's important for us all to kind of make that distinction. Oh, shall I make my little face appear in the top corner? Hello, everyone. I'm here. Um, it's important to get that distinction right. Uh, I don't always, but I try, uh, I try my very best to. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, right. Uh, Detour, the thing is, I don't want to mispronounce uh, E-I-R-E, except, you know, E E with the first E with a with a uh, with a a diagrammatic above it. Uh, I don't want to get like, is that era versus era? Detour is if you can spell it out so that I get it right. Um, spe- like uh, transliterate it so that I can say the correct one right because one of them means burden, which is uh, like used was used as a bit of a slur um to the republic of ireland um uh yes uh yes so the country is ireland uh the name of the country is ireland uh or an irish what what deirdre is about to tell us uh in the chat thanks thanks deirdre I, i'm gonna get it right in a moment um who's in charge of the northern irish rail irish railways uh you've said it northern irish railways are um uh, they're in charge. They, they're they're nationalised. They have been the whole time, and they're the fantastic argument for undermining the nonsense about privatisation being the reason why we have tremendous passenger growth in the country, uh, because they have precisely the same rate of passenger growth. Uh, era. Okay, so right, so so era is the correct is the correct pronunciation. Uh, hence the kind of uh, the the mutation above the e. Okay, good. Um, yes, it's fully devolved. Uh, run by. It's, yeah, is it? It's run by Translink the operator, but is it actually Northern Ireland Railways? Is the organisation that that runs it? Um, anyway, oh, um, so there's all sorts. Of, let's not cut, let's not get lost in the confusing and imaginary politics of the the fact that the United Kingdom is 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 inverted commas real. Uh, we're going to move on from that. Listen to Trash Future if you want the more on the hypothesis. Listen to their Britonology series if you want more on the hypothesis of um, uh, of the chaos. Uh, that is the UK. Anyway, so that's just a bit on the UK versus GB. Let us talk about Sir Peter Hendy. Here he is looking pleased. Sir Peter Hendy, CB, is um, he is he's basically the closest we've got to to, and I hope he understands that. Well, I tell you what, he's the closest we've got to Sir Topham Hatt uh, in in the UK. Uh, see, I've done it immediately. Done it in the GB Rail Network. Um, so. Uh, so Peter Hendy, I have a lot of time for Peter Hendy. Uh, good example being that he absolutely got behind me and 
uh, and um, John Bull of the London Reconnections when we published our uh, piece about uh, railways and slavery. He absolutely got behind it. He understood that it was important and he vouched for it. He vigorously vouched for it. Um, so so uh, a lot of time for Peter Hendy on, on, on a lot of subjects. He's done. He did fantastic things at TfL. He... Um, uh, there are stories about Sir Peter Hendy and several leading politicians and or very much not leading politicians that are very funny and well worth investigating and are not going to be repeated on here. Um, oh, basically, um, but and, 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 I, and I have a lot of time and I think he's a good person. He has the railways interests uh, at heart, very much the best interest of the railways at heart. He has disappointed me a couple of times. If you're, but someone hinted that he might have listened to the, these and he might well be listening to this. Hello, Sir Peter Hendy, if you are listening. I'm just going to put it right out there. I always like, you know, I, I don't like to, to you know, favour my friends. Um, uh, I was disappointed when, when Sir Peter Hendy was repeating the £12 billion to move around air and also I've been disappointed by Sir Peter Hendy kind of buying into the government's uh, sort of shrink the railways agenda. However, I do understand that he is a very canny political operator and understands where to, uh, how to essentially, he's very good at getting behind said politicians who have power and holding their arm up, behind, their elbow up behind their neck and forcing them to do what he wants. So willing to sort of put that to one side uh, on the basis that he's likely to be playing a long game for the benefit of the railway. I hope he is. Anyway, Putting that to one side, Sir Peter Hendy was called in to um, lead the uh, to, to create this report, this Union Connectivity Review, to try and kind of pull the cords back on those disintegrating bits of of the United Kingdom and try and make it a thing again, rather than becoming increasingly less a thing. So, um, hello to Sir Peter Hendy. This is his uh, document. Uh, he's quite quite upfront about it being his document, um, uh, but it's worth understanding the politics behind the document that were happening around him and why he was asked to do it. So, um, so that's Sir Peter Hendy. Hello, Sir Peter Hendy. And this is kind of, here's a nice picture uh, straight from the report. We're going to go to the report now and actually do the page turn. 22 minutes in and we haven't even started flicking through the pages. It's not a huge document, this. Um, uh, there, oh, wait a minute. It's so, so have I have I done it wrong? Have I actually said the wrong one? Oh, yeah, I see. Detour, you translated and I did a bad job. So, era is era. Era is burden. So, I got it wrong immediately. Thanks, Deirdre. I, yes. Basically, pay attention to the chat. And if you listen to this in podcast-only form, uh, I guarantee that the correct pronunciation will be very easily searchable. Um, uh, yes, era. So, era. Uh, yes, okay. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Detour. So, let's have a look at said report, shall we? Uh, let's do it. Let's let's have a pl flick through. It's a classic page turn, everyone. So, um, so here we go. Here is the Union Collectivity re Review, looking very smart and shiny. Um, apart from the slightly weird kernel, like weird sort of kerning that we're getting this anti-aliasing we're getting at the edge of this 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 whoever did the um whoever did the cutout of this in illustrator hasn't quite done it right uh they, they've swapped the pictures out and they've not they've not quite done it right just as a shout out um here it is so it's it's available in welsh and irish gaelic weirdly not in actual like scott like scottish gaelic which i suppose is a snub to the smp given that the smp were kind of not hugely uh getting involved in creating this uh, document or uh, so that so that some politics happened shenanigans happened folks anyway right we are for once going to read the forward because i think it's important this is a unique chance for us to get inside the brain of sir peter hendy and see what he thinks the long-term strategy is for the uk railway before we um go into the document though it's worth saying that there's nothing in the way of actual commitment or what the infrastructure should look like in this document and it's not clear whether that that was supposed to be the case, or whether this whether it's they get followed up with further assessment of precisely what needs to happen. Anyway, let let let's crack on, shall we? So let's have a look at um, Sir Peter Andy's forward. Um, so there's the 
he, he released his interim report in March. Uh, this is the final report. So here's the, here's the forward. So it's over, over, over kind of two pages worth of text. Transport connectivity is vital to economic growth. I'm not going to try and do Sir Peter Henley's uh, accent, particularly if there's even the slimmest chance that he might ever listen to this. Uh, it'd be very uh, uh, rude. But he has a very distinctive accent. Uh, folks so uh job creation building houses social cohesion building back better uh-oh, and leveling up uh-oh, will be hugely assisted by better connectivity between the nations of the united kingdom countries of the united kingdom never mind uh, which is why the prime minister asked me to review the uk's transport connectivity a year ago yep stakeholder responses to my call for evidence were numerous my roundtable meetings were well attended calls for connectivity improvements across the union of which there were many were passionate and the social research conducted for this review confirmed that the public wants better transport connectivity between the uk nations countries and believes it will lead to better access to jobs and housing yeah i mean for sure i wrote in march that devolution has been good for transport where delivery has been devolved but that this has resulted in a lack of attention to connectivity between the nations of the united kingdom i have to agree with that and, and and indeed sort of the stuff that i'm doing with the um sort of the, the sort of speaking to the campaign for borders rail who are trying to reinstate the or uh, kind of reinstate a rail link across you know the building the planning to build a new line connecting up at the end of the borders railway in tweed bank down to carlisle and they uh, you know uh, that's the perfect example it's kind of a bit the interest has gone out of it to connect across that border even though clearly there are strategic advantages to do so and a lot of people in the border, the Scottish borders, feel like they're part of the same hinterland that Northumberland and, and Cumbria are. You know that whole that whole area, that whole that whole region actually acts as one, squished between the kind of the the, the, the Pennine sort of grand cities of the Pennines. Uh, the you know on one side the, the northeast, the, the kind of the big cities of the northeast, Teesside, Wearside, and 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 Tyneside, and then. You know the Scottish Central Belt. There's this hinterland of which the, it's called the Borderlands, actually, and it kind of covers a lot of these these areas, and it is forgotten about. So I have to agree with that. I do have to agree with that. It's a mistake, and that's potentially where Westminster can come in to fill that gap, um, or perhaps you know uh, closer ties, developing things like the Borderlands Initiative um, up there. Anyway, so. Um, that the government's policies to build back better for leveling up entail making different wider strategic cases for transport investment across the country in line with the treasury's latest green book revision yes and that leaving the eu and its trans-european network has created the opportunity okay to establish uk net we've, we've got we've, we've gone crazy here uh, a strategic transport network for the whole united kingdom i mean you've got to name it something i suppose and uk net might be that thing uh yeah okay it does sound a little bit sort of, uh, yeah, Skynet. It does sound a bit like that, yeah. A strategic transport network for the whole United Kingdom, which with funding and regular review can much better serve the overall economic and social needs of the whole of the UK. Okay. So so it kind of contains, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's, it's a, some sort of summary, a summary of the key outputs. So there's this kind of key things, you know, investing in HS, you know, uh, the, the West Coast mainline north of HS2's connection, uh, an assessment into the East Coast rail and road corridor up across the border, uh, the A75 link towards Northern Ireland, um, North Wales, the, the M53, M56, A55 corridor, and the North Wales uh, main line, um, HS2 electrification, da-da-da for North Wales, fine. And connectivity with uh, Northern Ireland and the Republic. So there's, there's you know, with, with Ireland itself mentioned there, which is actually what was our conclusion, if you remember, from... Uh, that was our conclusion from the the connect fixed link to to the to, to Ireland uh, episode uh, was in fact that the North Wales link was the most important the best one uh, M4 South Wales so this is a bit dubious here because it's like uh, mm, 
M4 South Wales should not be made into a strategic. This is this is where we have to look into the real the politics and the ideology going on here. And I'm not suggesting that this is Hendy's personal desires, but it's there's certainly political sort of implications here. One of them is that Westminster's pissed off that Wales rightly cancelled the M4 relief road. Um, it was mentioned by one of the Tory MPs who was ranting on about it in uh, in the House of Commons earlier in the Opposition Day debate, uh, and so the idea that this become that that corridor would then become a a Westminster road that Westminster gets its rights to muck around with is problematic. Frankly, this becomes a problem, uh, and this is where I start having problems with the um, this is where I start having issues with the with the document. In that, if this is what the plan is, is if it's to to take powers away from the devolved governments back to Westminster, I have a problem with that. And I think right-minded people should have a problem with that. Anyway, let's. what other summary things? Rail journey times, capacity to link Cardiff to the Midlands and beyond, yeah, fine. Uh, connectivity generally, um, uh, connectivity with Northern Ireland generally. Um, uh, taking measures to improve domestic aviation connectivity, that again... This is a, this brings up another theme in this document, which is in that opening those opening paragraphs. You notice the environment was it mentioned? I don't think it was mentioned. This is another issue: is that this document very much backroads and sidelines the climate arguments for improved public transport, and in fact, it's looking at the political because it's a political tool to try and stop the UK disintegrating. It's it's focusing on that at the expense of the bigger picture of why transport is important. And I, I, and again, to what extent that's Hendy steering his way through the skittles to get what actually is a good thing for the environment without without pushing the buttons of the doc, you know, pushing the buttons of MPs or, or ministers who aren't interested in it. I don't know. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, but yeah. So the idea of domestic aviation requiring improvement, no why driving sustainable domestic aviation well in terms of island hopping fine but that doesn't need to be part of a strategic review that just needs to be you know government just needs to get on with investing in in those island you know battery island hoppers or whatever they are securing better connectivity for freight across the uk with ports free ports blah 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 and maintaining high sustainability standards on uk net going forwards so that's not even like utilizing uk net to drive modal shift away from roads it's just inverted commas sustainability standards yeah um yes uh so I'll, I'll let you i'll let you interpret that as you will uk uh, richard smith says uk net sounds like an internet service provider from 1998 yes it does dave says the thing is the m4 doesn't even go all the way to Fishguard, so it's super problematic in context let alone not electrified swansea yeah for sure um yes uh, hello ella anyway so um Let's us continue with this. So we've got um, da da da. So so Henry says this. This is clearly not a comprehensive list of potential improvements to the whole of the proposed network. For example, better passenger and freight connectivity across Northern England is a key feature uh-oh, of the integrated rail plan following the work of the National Infrastructure Commission. This is all I think pretty much all that Sir Peter Henry says about the IRP because if he had had anything to do with the IRP, it wouldn't have said what it says. <laughs> Uh, he will never admit it publicly, but I'm pretty sure that he will think the RP is a crock of shit um, because he stands by Haynes and Haynes has said publicly that it's a crock of shit. Or rather, he has said publicly before the RP was published that what the IRP actually proposes would be a disaster for the rail network. And I don't, I, 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 I don't think Hendy would disagree with that. So I, I think uh, Hendy, uh, Sir Peter Hendy, 
very likely thinks the IP is a crock of shit, but he clearly cannot undermine. Uh, he cannot clearly cannot undermine that in a document that he's been commissioned to write for the government. So the fact that he says very little about it, uh, yeah, I, I think we can read between those lines. So let's see. But my recommendations would form a substantial program to improve the connectivity of the nation's UK. Okay. Government will need to ensure a clear funding stream for improvements to the network. Uh, that's a bit of a dig as well, because that such a thing does not exist. Um, I see the network adapting over time as the UK's economy and society involves, so it'll be proper, it'll properly be for the government to decide what the network should be. So again, that's like even this proposal for the UK net is not like actually a thing. Um, who's Haynes? Andrew Haynes is the um, chief exec of Network Rail. Sorry, everyone. Uh, Andrew Haynes, yes. Um, and uh, Sir Peter Hendy is the chair of Network Rail. So the two of them work very closely together on, on, on Network Rail's aims and, and intents. Uh, so, yeah, in most cases, the report does not contain brand new detailed infrastructure proposals. That cannot, that cannot be a surprise given the lack of attention as a result of devolution referred to above. Um, instead, I point the way to further work, which should better identify where, when and what to invest in for the best results. Okay. So it's kind of saying don't expect this to be detailed. Fine. Government has published its transport decarbonisation plan since the interim report. In line with my commission, where appropriate, I look to multimodal reviews to best solve existing capacity journey time issues in a sustainable way. Where aviation is the best option, I outline approaches to reduce its environmental impact. Uh, dubious, but fine. COVID-19 continues to make blah, blah, blah. Let's just ignore the COVID-19 stuff. Um, right. Government allocated £20 million to start work on some individual areas. Okay. Asked specifically to assess the practicality of the fixed link. Um, there is a there is a report on the fixed link specifically that we must do a page turn on in the future. That would, perhaps if it's interesting, I've not even looked at it. But the conclusions of that are yes, pointless, uh, or it's a bad idea. Uh, I believe I might be wrong. I believe that's the conclusion, but certainly it's not being taken forwards in this. I think. Um, so da, 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 this is an interesting paragraph which I'm going to read through. Right, many individuals and organisations gave me their views. To all of them, I'm grateful. Since some of the transport links between the UK nations are the responsibility of the devolving administrations, clearly there are some sensitivities in my looking at this from a UK perspective. But for the most part, I have been helped and I'm grateful to those in the devolving administrations who have done so. And to the Irish Minister for Transport, with whom I was encouraged to interact and who was most helpful. Okay, so there's a bit of a, a hat tip to the devolved administrations. But it's worth pointing out that um, I don't think Scotland kind of got in, I don't think the SNP got involved in this very much. Um, Michael C., yeah, I refer to the um, the Fixed Link Irish episode where I conclude that it certainly is not pointless and it would actually be quite a good idea to have a Fixed Link. Um, yeah, uh, but let's, let's go back there in the future. Or rather, just go back and watch the episode. Anyway, uh, Sophia Hendy says, I now defer to the government for their response to this review and their decisions on how to take these proposals forwards. Uh, proposals forward. Okay, there we go. Sir Peter Hendy has, has, has spoken. So, fine. I think that's useful to give the context. Um, yeah. Um, let's crank into it. So there's there's the review, just sort of summarise what it is. The executive summary, we're just going to skip straight through. There's the summary of recommendations here. We've got, what have we got? We've got 19 recommendations that are broadly in line with what Sir Peter Hendy's summary was uh, in his forward. So let's crank into the actual, let's crack into the document. So part one, union and connectivity. The role of transport. Um, well, this is scary on a, on a few layers. Look at these graphics here. Um, increasing demand 
saying that there is demand increasing now. Increase. Uh, there's this worrying sort of status statistic here saying that the road vehicle miles from 2000 to 2019 in the last 20 years have increased by uh, how much is that like ugh, quite a sizable percentage which is frightening increase in passengers on air is is a huge increase and they're doubling in 20 years that's frightening why has that been allowed to happen good grief um increasing in road traffic volumes uh, so the government is is predicting an increase in traffic up to 51% by 2050 compared to 2015 volumes. Why? Stop that happening. That's bad. Oh, my God. Why are they, allow- why are they just passively... So, Peter Hendy, I can understand why you- in this report, fine. But government needs to not be passively saying that's fine. They need to be saying, no, that's bad. We're going to stop it happening. Likewise, even more frighteningly, forecast increase in UK air passenger traffic of 63% by 2050. What? Why is that being allowed to happen? Have you heard of the planet and how it's being destroyed by greenhouse gas emissions. Apparently not. Anyway, uh, this is just a statement of like prediction, the st- state of predictions, but it's like, well, why is that being allowed to happen? It's in the, the, the foot, you know, the end notes kind of state where the data's come from. It's like, well, is the conclusion that policy should be stopping this happening? Well, anyway, transport provides connectivity. Well, indeed, yes. So stuff about growth and recover economic growth and recovery fine better transport alone will not achieve positive strategic outcomes but facilitate them yeah this is true absolutely transport is a tool and it's an enabler it's not the end state bringing regions together increased economic benefits but yeah yeah okay fine leveling up whatever uh climate change look it does have a statement here so let's see what's said about climate change this is important let's let's see what what is said about climate change there's three paragraphs here let's see if it gets revisited later climate change is the most significant long-term challenge facing the world today absolutely with many countries having declared climate emergencies in june 2019 uk became the first major nation to pass a net zero law to end its contribution to climate change by 2050 okay the Welsh senate was the first parliament in the world to declare such an emergency in 2019 with the scottish government also doing this so in the same year the northern ireland assembly passed a similar climate declaration in 2020 it's quite nice that that's been put in because it's like yeah but the uk government has not done that anyway the transport sector is the biggest emitter of greenhouse gases in the uk and is responsible for 20 percent of all emissions to achieve its emission reduction targets the uk must work to decarbonize the movement of people and goods yeah good good this can only be achieved all right this is good this is good so massive props to sph for getting this in to achieve its emissions reduction targets the uk must work to decarbonize the movement of people and goods this can only be achieved through behavior change modal shift and the development and implementation of new low-emission technologies and fuels. Um, okay, so it, it went downhill in the end of the sentence, but it's not wrong. And to be fair, it opened with behaviour change and modal shift. So good, that's that's good. Um, and then it goes on to say, government's published the, the transport decarbonisation plan. We've done that in a previous rail now to go back and watch, which sets out the approach to reducing emissions while protecting the economic and social benefits of transport, as well as the choice available to travellers. Uh, again, goes downhill at the end of that sentence. The review has aligned itself with the aims and objectives this, of this plan. Fine, okay. So that middle paragraph is a good paragraph. It goes downhill a bit at the end. Um, the personal importance of union connectivity. Um, transport is central to the day-to-day lives of people that live in all the nations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One-to-one interviews. Why travel between the nation challenges? Da, da, da. This is this is getting into the, the politic bit. Um, yeah. Um, nice CP photo of Nairsbury. Yeah, that is nice, isn't it? Of Nairsbury looking lovely. Uh, strong recommend that everyone goes to Nairsbury. It's nice. Anyway, 
Uh, people feel that it's important to improve transport links across the UK. With nearly 8 in 10 people in Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland saying that it is important to improve transport links with England. Yeah, fine. So uh, it'd be interesting to look at the way this questions, the questions were worded, given, given the, the intent of the document, you know. But uh, anyway, when asked... Interesting. So this is interesting. So if we go to... Look at this. When asked about which transport modes and types of transport infrastructure should be prioritised to improve UK connectivity, rail and roads came out top in England, Scotland and Wales. Improvements to air travel and airports were the top priority for people in Northern Ireland. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I'm interested to know who said rail versus roads, but anyway, it's good that rail rail is there being mentioned. Despite the perceived benefits from improved transport connections, a significant number of the public are concerned about the environment. About a third of people thought that the increased investment in transport would be a negative thing from an environmental point of view, and a similar number also felt negatively about a possible associated increase in carbon emissions, while a quarter thought there'd be no difference. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, overall, there's support for improved transport links between the nations of the UK. Improvements, nations, countries, folks. Improvements to roads and rail services and stations are priorities for the for the public. Constant like this this conflation of roads and rail services. It's, it's like are people actually saying rail prior, primarily, or are they? To be fair, are they saying road? And they, we then need to kind of educate folks and, and, and kind of show them that roads uh, upgrades aren't the answer anyway so and there are you know ipsis mori have published there it's an ipsis mori study they've published that you, we can go and look at that if we wanted to um so there's all the stats here but you see that road and rail keep getting bundled in together um 51 but but they have so 51 percent of the public of the uk public said rail services and stations should be given the highest priority for improvements 51 percent over half of the population only 36% think of that for, for roads and for local roads, um, which is interesting. Um, actually, I suppose, is that 51%, if, that, if that's a pie chart, is that 51% for rail, 36% for made main roads, and 30% for local roads? It's hard to tell. Uh, be interesting, isn't it? And then we've got this breakdown of, of, of people um, traveling between the nation. It's Obviously, this has been skewed a bit by COVID, but they've tried to do it in 2019 which is the year pre-covid 45 percent of people in the uk travel to another nation in the uk at least once so it, i mean it is important even if i i'm not even if i was a staunch pro-independence guy the, clearly there are significant it's significant like significant value in improving the connections um between the various constituent parts regions uh, let's say of the of the uk um here we are so Percentage of UK residents living outside a nation who said they would be interested in travelling there, lots of numbers. I mean, some of this is fairly abstract. Um, but this is this is where the politics come in. Seven in ten people in Scotland who travel to other nations of the UK once a month or more in 2019 were more favourable towards the union than those who did so less regularly. So you can see the, the political reasons for improving the connectivity. I'm not saying it's a bad idea to improve connectivity, but um, that's why this that's that's the reason for this document. The, 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 all the other stuff is secondary to this. The reason for this document is to try and pull this fragmenting collection of areas back together again, for better or worse. Um. Yeah. So anyway, let's uh, let's whiz on, shall we? Uh, the impact of devolution. So uh, devolution gives local areas, regions, and nations the policy levers they need to facilitate economic growth. Yeah, yeah. In general, devolution has been good for transport, allowing transport authorities to service growing populations, develop local connections, and facilitate effective rail and bus services. Uh, however, it has sometimes resulted in strategic cross-border transport schemes being less of a priority than those schemes which are wholly contained within a single nation. I think that's probably fair enough. Um, although it is the UK government that holds the better part of the cash, so you kind of argue that 
It's the UK government that should be funding those projects. The devolved nations rightly are focusing on their own internal projects. So I think that's a little bit of sophistry there, to be honest, but there we go. Um, yada, yada, yada. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Fine, 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 fine. Cross-border, yada, yada, yada. Considering transporting this... Yeah, this is, again, it's about strategic journeys and strategic necessity. Considering transporting this more strategic manner helps to support a strong case for transport investment as set out in the recent review of the Green Book, Treasury's Green Book. Uh, that review is still far off from publishing and making changes, I think. Um, high quality data, data sharing. High quality data across all transport modes and throughout the UK are key to managing capacity, tackling congestion, establishing an evidence base for, defect, for effective policy decision making. Agreed. However, most of the data currently available to the UK government are predominantly related to journeys and movements within England. Devolved administrations and transport operators collect a significant amount of data on their operations, but accessing this data for UK-wide public policymaking is a challenge. The review has identified the need for UK-wide data sharing to support improved transport planning and operations. I have to agree with that fully. Um, yes, while you know, whilst it's important that devolved regions uh, collect the data and have that data for themselves, I don't think it's right that they don't make that super easily accessible for for the UK government. I, I, so that that you know that, that I think it's right that that is. I think that's a, that's a completely sensible uh, little pocket of information. Right, part two, UK net a strategic transport network for the whole United Kingdom. Okay. I don't think we need to go into the case for it. It's clear we can understand why there's a case for it. Um, you know, the EU identified a similar need for good connections uh, to develop cross-border transport infrastructure. So it developed ten, ten T, the Trans-European Network Transport. Um, until recently, tent. Let's call it tent because it's funny. Tent include. I hate people who. I don't hate people. I, I'm annoyed by, and it's not very accessible to um, change acronyms into words that sound like words. But for, for the benefit of everyone, we're gonna, when we say tent, it's a funny way for us to describe the EU. Trans-European Network Transport, so the the, the TNT. Uh, also, I'd end up sounding almost like I'm saying TNT, which is confusing. We're going to call it TENT. Until recently, TENT included key elements of the UK's transport infrastructure, although those identified were chosen with a view to pan-European connectivity and did not necessarily best support the requirements of the UK. Well, there's nothing stopping... Again, it's like the UK could have developed this without TENT. Like, the UK net could have existed without TENT. This is not a benefit of Brexit. This is a thing that the government could have done anyway. So it's a bit weird to, to phrase it as such, but anyway... Um, again, this is government speaking rather than uh, Hendy. I, I kind of, I'm, I'm guessing, um, or at least it's Hendy knowing which buttons to press to get government on his side. Uh, let, I'm, I'm giving to pretend the benefit of the doubt here. Um, a network of this type was supported by a significant majority of stakeholders. Ninety-four percent of respondents to the specific UK net question in the call for evidence, um, including a hundred percent of respondents from Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland being in favour of its development. Fine. Okay, good. So this is clearly a good thing. Fine. I, I don't think it's not a good thing, so long as it does not override devolved power. For me, that's key. Government cannot over... For example, absolutely key is... Key example, key case study, government cannot override Wales in building the um, the M4 uh, diversion, the, the, the M4 bypass thing near Newport. It can't happen. It cannot happen. And that's the test for this, really. So defining UK net, fine. Uh, so it's looking at airports and seaports that fit into this. Linkages between major cities and economic regions. Um, they've drawn it a weird way, though. So when we get to the map, which we will in a moment, so there's, there's all this discussion. So it's, you know, connecting these discrete cross-border economic areas. Okay, fine. And then freight hubs. And then essential connections to, to re regional networks and the Republic of Ireland. Yeah, fine. What I find weird, I find this a weirdly laid out way to do the network because for me there's some weird gaps that feel like 
it's, it's a bit like when I've done the, the, the network drawing, uh, you know, what should the, the railway map look like episodes previously. Networks don't kind of look like this. They look more like a, a spider web. And for me, I would make it look like that. I don't know if that is what it actually looks like. And this is just a, a kind of it's a schematic outline um, here. But I, I don't know. I, I, it feels kind of like... Do you, know, do you know what I mean, folks? It kind of feels like... Um, it kind of feels like this is not how it would look. And, but I suppose it'd be difficult to represent properly. Yeah, okay. Uh, graphically, I, I think it looks a bit weird. The obvious gaps are like, well, why is there a gap between Inverness and Aberdeen? Why has that not got a link? Or why is there a, not a connection? You know, they feel like they're missing fundamental connections here, you know, that, 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 that feel like gaps. But anyway. Um, so whoever... So the folks who've been working on uh, Network 2050 in the Discord uh, and also have been working on creating those you know those those what should this map look like um let's let's see if we could automate that and, and you know what would an automatic map look like it'd be interesting to investigate that what would our uk net look like anyway so there's the map and i, I think i've critiqued it reasonably well already like fine fine that looks fine i'm sure um you see weirdly you see the fast growth cities are all the ones on this like east west rail corridor it's like well what why are those picked as fast growth anyway bit, bit weird I, there's some weird stuff in, in like presumably like strategic sort of um, growth planning stuff that's in here. The pink cities are just the major cities. Green is those cities with major ports and airports. Why are they not called like why are why are the North Pennine you know sorry the Mid Pennine cities as 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 I've decided to call them the the Liverpool Manchester Leeds Sheffield why are those not uh, fast growth cities anyway they're not because they're not on this weird like anyway weird politicking about where growth should be happening and again it's it's basically the southeast but anyway oh it doesn't feel like, i know people in milton Keynes don't feel like they're in the southeast but to the rest of the uk that feels like the southeast but anyway let's crack on so uh key transport network corridors so this is a list of basically a list of the key corridors and you see there's this nice schematic here which starts describing what the names of these different corridors are um They've got these like dashes to kind of make it a bit easier to see, but it's it's not it's not particularly easy to identify. Well, anyway, yeah. Here are those those corridors, and they look a bit weird, but it kind of you can sort of see what they're driving at. I think you can just about see what's going on. Some of these are a bit weird, and it's weird that Hollyhead and Dublin aren't connected, and it's weird that some of the choices are a bit strange. But this is the the general overview of the broad corridors across the, uh, the 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 kind of turf island so if we go to uh, so the, let's go through each of these corridors so the first one is the west coast corridor which is like as ever the west coast seems to be um uh, people are asking it does the girl i tell you what let's pause for a minute on this one and let's go through the chat because i've not been paying attention to the chat for a while oh so um uh let's see uh conservative minority of uh, assembly members uh, in the senate are dead set on building the relief road well indeed uh, is this close to city network asks david shepherd uh, not ish richard smith i bet fast growth cities used to say something else uh, yeah quite possibly does the growth corridor for tory no it's a load of tory marginals actually so that's kind of part of the reason for that it's very much port barrel politics i'm afraid uh, along east west rail uh Ah, Alistair Baldwin. Oh my god, Alistair Baldwin is here. Hello, uh, Alistair. Uh, Fast Growth Cities was th th precisely the person we want to answer this question. Fast Growth Cities was originally a centre for cities thing. Interesting, okay. Um, yeah, there we go. There is There are disclaimers at the bottom of the map, yeah. Um, 
uh, the towns and cities included in this map illustrate some but not all of the key population centers in each corridor. So yeah, yeah. these are schematic. Let's not get too hung up on the maps because they are schematic. But anyway, the, 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 the overall corridors can be interpreted uh, how we like. So let's start the West Coast Corridor. Obviously, HS2, all that's left of HS2 is basically the, co route, the, the routing of this up to um, just north of, of the kind of the, the Manchester-Liverpool Corridor. So there it goes up there. West Coast Mainline is obviously the backbone of this. Um, it's seen 100% growth. Literally, passenger numbers have doubled in the last 10 years on the West Coast Mainline. It's a, just a reminder of why, you know, hashtag YHS2. So, yeah, HS2 is mentioned. Um, let's see, is the integrated rail plan even mentioned here anywhere? No, 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 not at all. Uh, I don't, I, don't, I really don't think Henley is a fan. The amount that it's mentioned in this, I'll do it. I'll do a control F for integrated rail plan of this and see how many times it's mentioned, but I don't think it's many. Anyway, opportunities for improvement. So yes, fine. There's the discussion of, of what happens north of Crewe and also north of, um, uh, kind of north of Wigan, or sorry, north of Warrington, where the connection is, the Goldbourne link um, or, or whatever might replace it. So this is discussion of the fact that the benefits of a three-hour journey time link. Now, FYI, to get a three-hour journey time between uh, between Glasgow and London requires almost full new high-speed segregation, basically, north of, or a hell of a lot of high-speed segregation on the West Coast mainline north of, of Warrington. That's a lot of physical work, most of it in, in, in England, actually, less of it in Scotland, although obviously it's, it's pretty curvy north there, but it's, it's, the, it's the slow speed stuff that really hits it. As we discussed in previous Rail Natter episodes, it's the slow speed stuff that hits journey times, not so much the high speeds. Um, so this graph's really nice. There's a graph here, London to Scotland, journey time versus mode share, and it shows how mode share can be altered so so we have modal share uh so rail is is the is the kind of the light color um air is the is the dark color and you can see the base case for hs uh, kind of the current case is that you've got 30 percent mode share is rail and the rest is, is air this rubbish we can do so much better than this um you know remember there are 100 like nearly 200 flights between london and the central belt alone that ignores the flights up to manchester and up to you know, up to Newcastle and so on. And this this mode share shifts to basically entirely flip the other way. In fact, even better. So so less than 30% air, which I'd then argue eviscerate that, just, just can those flights. Um, it, once you get up to three hours. So once you actually get up to the three hour mark. So HS2 phase B as currently planned, or, you know, the the, the western leg of HS2 uh, and, and phase 2A and, and, and the original part, you know, the first part, phase one, um, pretty much makes it 50-50. So, it, so the current HS2 proposals will make it 50-50, but more needs to be done to bring that down. And rightly, you know, it's good that Hendy is highlighting the fact that this is, this is a positive thing. We want this, right? We want this, this modal shift, uh, modal shift away from air. So uh, there's a bit of discussion about the Goldborn link, which is the connect, the proposed current connection between HS2 and the West Coast Mainline. But actually, um, there's proposals of a potential improvement of that and actually expanding on the Goldborn link and maybe thinking about alternative connections. I hope those are not worse. If they are thinking about alternative connections, I hope they are improvements, as in, like, make it even better. Um, so um, connect. So this is here. The emerging evidence suggests an alternative connection to the West Coast mainland, for example, at some point south of Preston. So that's, that is bringing it further north. Uh, could offer more benefits and opportunity to reduce journey times by two to three minutes more than the Goldborn link. However, more work is required. Government won't fund that. It's worth pointing out, but it's not. It's good that Hendy is pointing out. Actually, we can do better than the Goldborn Link. That that yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm at peace with that. As long as it doesn't mean that it gets cancelled and, and kicked into touch. Um. 
No, the three hours 50 is phase 2B. Phase 2B is, remember, phase 2B is split into western and eastern sections. The, the phase numbering on HS2 is mental. Uh, it's absolutely wild. So phase 2B has includes the section up to Manchester and the section up to Leeds. It's only, it's only phase 2B's eastern leg that has been cancelled. The western leg is still in place. Um, so, da-da-da-da-da, fine. Um, Scottish borders are region are enthusiastic about benefits they see from an extent. Ah, right, this is good. So the borders railway does get a mention. Uh, communities in the Scottish borders region, I know this because the the campaign for borders rail met Sir Peter Hendy and talked about borders. Um, they're, they're enthusiastic about the economic and social benefits they see resulting from an extension of the borders railway south across the borders. Carlisle, um, the review also welcomes the five million in funding that the UK government has made available for the development of a possible extension of the Borders Railway, which support improved connections to and from Scotland and with the West Coast mainland at Carlisle. I'm afraid that's all that's said, but given the limited scope of this document, I'm, I'm, basically that's all that I think can be said. Um, so anyway, so that, there we go. Uh, it'd be nice if more was said about the potential strategic benefits for freight that the, the borders could represent, but yeah, there's no more detail. Then we look at the East Coast Corridor. Now, I, I don't know whether it's politicking or whether it's, it is a genuine way that the analysis came out, but very conveniently, the East Coast Corridor starts in Leeds. So it doesn't have to worry about the stacking, the, the nonsense of the IRP splitting that. It starts in Leeds rather than starting in, say, Manchester and going up via Leeds or starting in, I don't know, the East Midlands and going up through Leeds. It just starts in Leeds, which means that there's there's no conflict with the integrated rail uh, nonsense. Uh, and again, in all of this, does not appear to be mentioned. Oh, no, here it is. The UK government's forthcoming IRP will also be considering potential improvements to the East Coast mainland, although this will have a focus on north-south connectivity. It will not include cross-border connectivity. Oh, there you go. So, in a way, this almost looks like a diss at the IRP, but fair enough. So, East Coast Corridor, let's... What time is it? 1957. Oh, God, I better go faster than this. Uh, wow, who'd have thought that the fast train beats plane? I know, right? It's a grand epiphany. Uh, grand epiphany. Uh, Pete Johnson, good to see Joritzma uh, being recognised. That 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 graph was his curve. Oh, this one here, the London Scotland journey time versus mode share. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Um, let's hammer through. So let, let's. I don't think there's in terms of the detail here. I'm not going to dwell on like the super high level detail of the of what's being proposed because none of it's funded and all of it's kind of wishy washy. I'll pick it out and, and feel free to pick it out in the chat if you're if you're reading this on screen while I'm going through it, particularly if you're on a big screen, then then pick out, you know, at me if you want me to pick something out specifically. Um forthcoming suggesting this was meant to come out first. Oh yeah, that's a good point. The UK government's forthcoming integrated rail plan. Yeah, so this was delayed until after the IRP was published. Yeah, good point. That's very interesting, Richard Smith. Good spot. Um, North Channel Corridor. So this is now going between... So that corridor... Sorry, the East Coast Corridor was Edinburgh down to Leeds via uh, the northeast. Again, for F's sake that Middlesbrough is not on that corridor. This is why I argue for a new high-speed line connecting to the East Coast mainline uh, at Nathalaton and whizzing through Teesside and then up to Newcastle, connecting to the East Coast mainline south of Newcastle. That's my proposal and i'll keep banging that damn drum um sorry sorry the north channel corridor is then connecting middlesbrough and newcastle carlisle over to karen ryan and then across to larn and belfast and then also includes glasgow kind of somehow and it's this kind of that's the corridor that's where the fixed link corridor was supposed to be um you know boris bojo's connection and then there's kind of discussion of the the opportunity for improvement obviously the roads there and they're pretty pretty poor and the rail connection is dreadful it's, it exists but it's not very good so I'm, I'm disappointed that the roads are being prioritized here rather than saying actually you know what we could double line you could double track this electrify it and run it as a high density you know run improve the services actually run it as an intercity connection to the to the port that would be the right thing so again this is a very it starts looking a very road focused 
um, very road-focused sort of uh, document this by the time it starts coming to some of these corridors. It's like, just upgrade the railway. You know, this we should be... This is, and for me, it smacks of a lack of ambition. You know, uh, yes, it's pandering to governments and local areas. Yes, you could argue it's still roads need to be improved if you're if you know you don't understand what induced demand is. But I'd be arguing no, don't spend a penny on these roads. Upgrade the railway, double track the railway, electrify it, and improve the alignment. Sort of turn it into a, an in-city railway, and and, and have in-city trains running. Have Transpennine Express running out to Ken Ryan in the port. You know, oh yes. Um, so what's the next one? The North Wales corridor again. Connectivity across. Um, actually, they don't mention connectivity to 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 uh, Ireland here, but they do talk about the North Wales kind of connection connections. They do talk about electrification. So you can see here they, they immediately go to roads, but then they do talk about the, the North Wales main line. Um, better connections at Crewe. Um, uh, you know, electrification. There's potential benefits of electrification. Obviously, electrification is a complete necessity on the North Wales main line. The, uh, to suggest otherwise is daft. Um, there's also discussions about North Wales Metro that's uh, being worked on. I'm not going to say who might be working on those sorts of projects, but let's just say those projects are being worked on. Um, you know, line speed uh, capacity upgrades between Wrexham, Bidston. Uh, I'm just going to waggle my eyes. Alex Fortune, hello if you're watching. Um, uh, enhancements to Chester, yeah, Crew Hub, yeah, good stuff. But the fact that this is saying, oh, potentially electrification might be a good idea. We should be saying. Stakeholders have said, I'm, I know that this is Peter Hendy being clever here because saying, look, stakeholders are saying electrification is a good idea. Um, but it's a shame that it's not saying, um, hello, electrification is a an absolute necessity on this line. And to be honest, all these corridors, this, it should be, well, it's not electrified and it should be as a matter of course. And it doesn't say that, which again, I find disappointing. Um, oh, I'm going to have a little sip of tea. Oh. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know what changes were made by a by the DFT actually, wouldn't it? It'd be really that would be really interesting. I'd be very interested to to do a PDF search. Um, so uh, I don't think the UK government have the authority. Well, the point is they're trying to. I think they're trying to win back authority partly by creating this UK net thing. I think that's part of the fun. Uh, hello to to the hello to Masquettes, uh who manufacture these wonderful mugs look at this if you want if you have suggestions for other rail matter mugs by the way send them on the discord i think uh, this is my first suggestion which is is this mug a gadget band which i thought is funny some of you might not think it's funny um some of you in fact i remember reading a comment on someone else's server that um that someone hates my sense of humor <laughs> i didn't know i had a sense of humor i thought i just sort of make excitable noises every now and then and giggle at things anyway uh right south wales corridor again should be electrified this is a, a no-brainer um they're talking about the M4 quite a bit. The M4 is a strategically important route, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, so there is these, yeah, so identify a package of... The Welsh Government recently cancelled the proposed M4 relief route and instead instigated the Burns Commission, which has identified a package of proposed improvements in public transport to promote modal shift and reduce demand on the M4. The Commission identified that due to the flexibility of the car and the different types of journeys undertaken, it was not possible for one single public transport option to provide an alternative. The Commission made a series of public transport recommendations as part of a multimodal network of alternatives. The Commission assessed the capital cost of its recommendations at between 600 and 800 million over 10 years, significantly less than the 1.4 billion the relief road was expected to cost. This review endorses the recommendation of the Burns report. Okay, fair play. Uh, Sir Peter Hendy, like, squeezing his guns, getting out his muscles there. Um, most of which will fall to the Welsh Government to deliver. The impact of these interventions must be monitored to ensure that they have desi the desired effect on uh, road congestion. 
uh, design impact. Sorry, the Welsh government should retain the option to deliver improvements to the M4, including the proposed relief road, and revisit this decision if the improvements do not reduce congestion as expected. It went downhill at the end of that sentence, but but I think it's understandable. I think that again, I think this is why I, I set, talked about Sir Peter Hendy at the start. It's worth getting inside his head and understanding how much of it. he is a canny operator. He really is a canny operator. So. Whenever they think that you have to sort of second guess some of these and not take some of these sentences at face value, you have to fool me if I try to just take these at face value, to be honest. Um, it's a shame there's not a mention of a new rail crossing across the Severn because I think that's a necessity, but it's, it's not mentioned. Um, or not yet, anyway. Uh, so Burns Commission, happy days. Uh, da, 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 da. And this is written down and I've not I've missed it, but I don't think it is. Um, yeah, fine. Um, yeah, nothing about new connections. So there we go. Lovely. The next one is the Welsh Marches Corridor. Now this is this is basically well, this is sort of a connection. It's almost, if you like, on the on the line of my north south line that I propose in Wales, and that it kind of runs up through that way. But it's actually running through Crew, uh, through Birmingham, Crew, Manchester. You know, this is a, this is a busy corridor. Um, it's. Yeah, this this is a very busy and important corridor, and it's interesting looking at the, all the improvements. Again, roads, roads. Um, let's see, da, 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 roads, bypasses. I don't see anything about. Oh, there is the Cambrian line running from Aberystwyth through Shrewsbury and then onto to Birmingham. Important for connectivity for communities in Mid Wales. Well, yeah, fine. It supports further frequency and capacity improvements on that one. Well, that's that's the line to my parents, so I'm all for that. But um, I'm not seeing much about proper rail capacity enhancements. I'm just seeing lots of stuff about road. Um, right, the next corridor, the Northern Ireland Corridor, which is not really a corridor so much as just saying transport in Northern Ireland. Uh, connections between uh, uh, Newry, Larne, uh, Derry, Londonderry, Belfast, sort of kind of Letterkenny and Elskill, and get all the connections kind of across Northern Ireland. Fine. Uh, I don't, again, but look at this and you'll see uh, the ports... Fine. Opportunities for investment. People in Northern Ireland are heavily reliant on cars to travel. Um, the Belfast to Dublin and the Derry London Derry Dublin corridors require improvements to enhance north south connectivity. It just says road. Rather than going, we need to do railways, it just says do roads. Public transport in Northern Ireland has experienced decades of underinvestment. That's certainly true. Uh, by Westminster, I'd point out. Uh, but certainly, you know, the, 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 the Northern Ireland regional government just doesn't have the kind of slush fund to spend on infrastructure. And also, they're always inclined to spend it on roads. Leaving silence for public transportation, unable to adequately meet current potential user needs. This contributes to reliance on private rather than public transport. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Northern Ireland has a less extensive rail network than many regions and nations of the UK. Yeah, also true. Uh, in 2017-18, local transport received uh, funding of £84 per head, the lowest of all the nations of the UK, and at 27% of the UK average expenditure. Um... They they recognise this, um, and they 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 yeah, there 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 is an investment strategy for Northern Ireland coming out. Um, there, there are plans, but there's not much. Yeah, Hendy says uh, it will not be an easy nor a quick nor easy fix to address these legacy funding issues. Thing is, you need big bold investment. Just you know, rather than going around the edges, why not invest in? I mean, for starters, there should be a high speed connection between Belfast and Dublin. That's an absolute no brainer. That connection should exist. Um. The trouble is the same thing that applies between you know the the, the trouble with that is it <laughs> unifies the island of Ireland, which obviously this government doesn't want, so they aren't interested in that particularly. Anyway, um, 
This will require the executive to coalesce around a long-term transport infrastructure pipeline with the backing of the UK government to provide confidence that funding will be able to deliver it. Okay, right. There's lots of stuff here about connections across Northern Ireland. Um, yeah, so there's a bit on the rail network. Uh, it's the only region of the UK that does not have any railway electrification. Yep, so that's a necessity. So there is discussion about rail here and the fact that it's rubbish. Um, and there's lots about how bad it is, but there's not much about... <laughs> Stupid restoring your railway fund has just got to mention. That's the reverse beaching. Where's my klaxon? Oh, I wish I'd done. Yeah, klaxon, yeah. Um, so, yeah, beaching klaxon. No such scheme exists in Northern Ireland, despite the clear need for better railways and miles of former rail corridors. Um, yeah. What can I say? There's, there's nothing saying it needs to happen. They're just saying, oh, isn't Northern Ireland doing a dreadful job of, of, of its railways? Okay, helpful. Yeah, UK net, whatever. Right, part three, strengthen the network. So that was that was the corridors. I mean, that was some of the corridors, not all the corridors. So then we get to the strengthen the network bit. And then we go to aviation. And we look at these top 10. So, so we start with a load of stuff about oh, domestic aviation has suffered from some significant challenges in recent years with the collapse of Flybe and Stober Air creating real difficulties for people seeking to travel domestically in the UK. Those are opportunities to improve the rail network, folks. Hello? Um. Oh. But then, to be fair, while domestic air travel uh, travel accounts for only 1.2% of total domestic transport emissions, it is a significant polluter when considered on a per-journey basis. Um, journeys between London and Glasgow by plane produce f more than five times as many greenhouse gas emissions per passenger than the equivalent journey by rail. Decarbonising the sector will be a significant challenge relative to other sectors due to the technical challenges and uncertainty of zero-emission zero flight and because of an unexpected increase in passenger demand. The review recognises the need to support domestic routes for which there's not a suitable rail or road alternative whilst balancing this with strategies to decarbonise the aviation sector and to support the UK's climate ambitions. So, Hendy doesn't go as far as to say modal shift is the way to solve this problem. But if you look at this top 10 domestic passenger routes in 2019, I think seven of them, Heathrow Glasgow, uh, Edinburgh is the top, then Heathrow Glasgow, then Gatwick Edinburgh, then Heathrow Aberdeen, then Skip One, then... Gatwick, Glasgow, Stansted Airport, uh, Edinburgh, then skip to then Heathrow, Manchester. So that's three, and it's only the connection to Northern Ireland. Out of those, out of those ten, seven of them can be replicated easily by rail, and essentially, to to my mind and everyone on here, should be obliterated, absolutely obliterated. There should be no domestic flights between those directions. And some people say, oh, but they're connections to long long haul. Do rail air tickets? And can off the domestic flights. Domestic flights are horrendously polluting. They need to be destroyed. Um, and so 7 out of 10 of those just don't need to exist. And HS2 would have enabled a lot of... Full HS2 would have enabled a lot of those to disappear. Alas, not so much now. Anyway. So there's the... Obviously, there's the, the obligation routes. All these little island ones that, that are pretty wacky. Um, oh, there's, 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 oh, there's an error on, on here, by the way, that's added. This map is outdated. It contains an error. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the new key to London route operates London to Gatwick from December 2021. It's jointly funded. This graphic is being updated. Okay, fine. Um, so, again, you know, Heathrow new key shouldn't exist. That should be rail, and rail should be enhanced to, to, to achieve that. Um, likewise, the connections to Dundee... Just get rid of that. Just improve the railways. All these island hoppers, though, are ones that are ripe for decarbonisation in an, in an innovative way. Actual innovation could be useful to, to consider um, decarbonising these. And it is possible. To, it can be done. Some of these, in fact, there's already island hopper, electric island hopper, I think, between Orkney and I think it might be Kirkwall Stronsay, actually. It might be. I think it's one of these in, up in, uh, which is actually, yeah, that's up in, uh, that's in Orkney. There we are. 
Uh, let's not worry about what the hell has happened to Shetland up here. Bit weird. Uh, yeah. Schematic plans going a bit awry. But anyway, uh, these green ones can all be decarbonized reasonably easily in the next 10 to 15 years. 10 to 20 years, maybe. Um, uh, it ain't happening on these long-distance ones. So just they should be canned off and swapped with rail. But anyway... Uh, and and the the PSO the, the public service obligation. Why don't you use that substitute to subsidise the rail journeys and, and reduce fares anyway? Whatever. Uh, air passenger duty is where journeys are too long to be reasonably taken by road or rail. The UK government should reduce the rate of domestic aviation tax. What have you heard of the climate crisis? I'm not even going to dwell on that. Like that's a whole episode in and of itself. It's bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. Um. So there's this interesting discussion of a reduction in domestic routes. Fine, good. That's a good thing. But then you look here, and then the government is saying, and the proposal here is intervene in the assignment of slots at London airports to provide more slots for domestic routes. What? What? Oh, my goodness. And then there's this section on decarbonisation and the future flight. There's all this nonsense about Jet Zero. Oh, it's a little rubbish anyway, as we've discussed. It's just nonsense. Uh, I'm not even going to dwell on this because it's just like, this is made up. It's it's all made up. So let's just move on from that. Maritime. So there's this stuff about maritime and, and, and ports. To be honest, my understanding of maritime isn't enough. And we need to get an expert on to talk about maritime. But there is discussions of like port investment. And, and fine, you know, fine. I don't think there's any point in dwelling on that. There's a very short discussion about clean maritime. Nuclear was the way we should have done nuclear. Um, ah, Unwitting Sweater says, Orkney has testing at the moment, but not actual carbon neutral flights. Ah, okay, okay, okay. That's fair enough. And it's a good point that we could build tunnels like we have in the Faroe Islands to some of these islands. I'd be up for that. There should be rail tunnels, though. Um, the environment. Here we go. So there's a section with the environment. So there's a discussion about last mile journeys here. Um, uh, and, and clearly walking and cycling are a key part of that. So there's a discussion of what the government has said. There's the, the, the sort of this discussion kind of... A, but but in terms of the... Yeah, there's a discussion of bus. There's not really much to be said about that. Um the national bus driver. This is just reiterating all the stuff we've looked at in previous reports. I and mean, everyone watching Rail Now, we've all done this, haven't we, really? Um, uh, government's set out its 25-year plan for the environment. Fine. Da, 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 da. But they haven't... But then all this nice talk about what's been proposed, nothing about the fact that... So here's the decarbonisation. Fine. Um, decar yeah, decarbonisation strategy. There's the, the D TDNS has got to mention. Yeah, it's good. Just to, so it doesn't sink without a trace. Hendy's got to mention the TDNS in, which is good. The Trash and Decarbonisation Network Strategy. Two episodes, I think, we put to it. Or certainly one... No, well, one episode, but it was, like, horrendously long. Sorry, everyone. Uh, yes, I'll be trying to finish this by half-past, by the way. Um, doo -doo -doo, UK government also announced the intention... That, okay, fine, 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 fine. But is there anything about modal, sh modal shift? Well, not really. There's just this idea of high environmental standards. We should... So this is a failure. This is the missing... This is the, the massive, massive glaring gap in this document, which is, okay, you've developed these strategic corridors... Why have they not mapped out what percentage modal share each of these corridors has had? And why have they not then said, we aim to shift to by 2050, shift. This is what the DFT should be doing. This should be like fundamentally what the DFT is all about. It should look at these corridors and go, currently modal share is 10% rail, 90% road. We're going to shift that to be 50-50 by 2050 or 50-50 by 2040. That is what the DFT should be doing. Because then that would be something that network rail or GBR could then measure itself against in the future and develop the infrastructure to deliver that. And yet government is still not driving those mode share targets. I'm whacking my pen around like a lunatic. But um, anyway, 
that that's a thing that this is the, for me the main missing and maybe that's going to maybe that's to happen maybe that is something that that is going to happen off the back of this these proposals but it's not hard to, you know we if you look back to the to our west yorkshire mass transit episode they had they had got those numbers they'd got the mode share numbers why has that not been done here because for me that is a you cannot decide what infrastructure should look like until you look at mode share and decide how you want to change it and that would feed through this decarbonization section massively so i find that very frustrating and then there's a section on freight so let's move on to the section on freight i don't think it'll say much very very good it doesn't there's da, 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 domestic freight 79% domestic freight by road 13% by water and only 8% by rail there's no suggestion of increase and again no suggestion of shifting that modal shift you know modal shift you know driving modal shift towards uh towards water because you can have water you can have technically it's canals you can have electric canals very easily uh, electric canal boats very easily but certainly to rail for speed uh so that is my main frustration with this. My main main frustration is that lack of attention on on actually listing out what the mode shares are. You know, they, they've done it. You know, they've done it here. This page, they've done it for freight. So why have they not done it for passengers on those strategic corridors? It'd be, you know, the graphic should have those mode shares. There should be a graphic dedicated to those mode shares and understanding and then driving the change. Conclusion. So there's the overall conclusion. Fine. Happy days after the review. Lovely. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's the conclusion. So, uh, what do you think? You know, there's lots of uh, acknowledgements here. Fine, uh, lovely. What's interesting is I don't think the Scottish government, the Scottish Borders Council, got mentioned. The Shetland Islands Council, Scotland Chamber of Commerce, but not the Scottish government. Uh, has Transport for Scotland even got mentioned? No, Transport for Scotland has not got mentioned. So, there you go. I'll let you uh, make of that what you will. But this is also a bit of a snub uh, to to Scotland because Scotland's real. I think Scotland. I, they should have played ball, I think, because it kind of undermines their case a bit to say because the government can just say, well, they're not playing ball. But also, I understand why they feel like this was something they needed to be hostile against. I can understand. I can understand. But government thinks this is bold. It isn't. I'm sorry. It is not a bold document. I understand Sir Peter Henry's playing politics, and I've given them the benefit of that. But there we go. I don't think it's. I think a better job could have. I think it could have been more bold. But anyway, there we are. The Union Connectivity Review. Oh. So what are your thoughts, folks? What are you thinking? Um, Ellis trolling me about Hyperloop. Uh, fine. Uh, the DFT should make all cities ultra-low emission zones. Absolutely agree. It's mad that they haven't. HST trains. I've seen in the news recently that companies have been building rail links and that rail freight has increased because of HGV uh, driver shortage. Yes, that is true. Uh, that is true. Tesco's particularly have made a load of fuss about that. Um, so... Um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, uh, it could happen. Yeah, um, there's discussion about nuclear going on. Yeah, for our, like, coastal shipping, I don't see why we don't just have, like, um, modular, mini miniaturized nuclear powering ships. Like, that's fine. It is underwhelming, isn't it? I can understand that it's just the first in a in, in kind of further assessment, but it is underwhelming. It, it doesn't, it's not bold. It's just another document for me. It just feels like another, another, another easy-to-forget document. I don't think Hendy has been empowered enough to, to really propose anything radical way too much focus on on roads and not enough about driving modal share for me the main gap is is that is the fact that there's no that the, those corridors creating those corridors give the potential to to state look the mode shift the mode share is this we then want it to be this that for me was like that was a key opportunity um david shepherd saying do we need to extend hs2 all the way to glasgow to get the three hour time pretty much yeah pretty much oh so right uh, let's get rid of my face and, and draw the episode to a close, shall we? Um, list up your questions. We'll do a bit of a Q&A at the end. Um, 
Uh, let's see. Uh, we'll come back to questions at the end. We'll come back to that momentarily. Let's let's do me outro. So, um, the the podcast is updating. Has anyone like I, don't, I haven't seen anyone complaining either on Twitter or uh, on the Discord about this. By the way, there's a don't switch off. Everyone who's there's a hundred of you, hundred plus of you, hundred and ten of you watching. Don't switch off yet because there's special reveals coming up. So uh, don't switch off quite yet. Anyway, right, audio only. Uh, thanks for listening, all of you. Uh, we are mostly up to date. I, I, it might be a bit of a couple of days lag in me uploading the, the podcast, partly because it takes a while to go through YouTube, and I do it through YouTube because it's... Anyway, it should all be working now, I think. Um, hopefully it is working. Uh, let me know if it isn't. The plug bit, the adverts. Um, I should put, like, uh, I should put lounge music on for this bit, shouldn't I? Just, to, like, put the lounge music in for when I do the ad. Uh, but... <laughs> Patreon.com slash Gareth Dennis for the Patreon. Uh, support me on the Patreon. You get bonuses, like you get a discount on the merchandise. You get advance notice of uh, of meetings uh, and, and potential uh, live stuff that we're doing in person. Uh, you get a few other bonus goodies. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully the Patreon people enjoy their bonus goodies. Uh, you get to chat to me and uh, you get secret... Episode, uh, kind of channels on the discord where you get to prod me and i ask you lots of questions about what um you know what we need to do uh what what you want out of rail matter and the discord server by the way is garethdennis.co.uk slash discord come for, come find us there and um paypal.me slash garethdennis is where you can chuck pennies and comments at me which is nice oh the patreon patreon.com slash garethdennis you can um there are different tiers it's very cheap it's a pound like you can for a pound a month you get all the benefits of people who madly decide they want to spend 30 quid a month uh i don't think we have many of those thankfully but um but it's 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 not expensive. It's super cheap. Like it's a quid a month, um, and you get all the benefits. So, so come and be a Patreon supporter. It allows me to continue to do this stuff. Um, it justifies me spending my time on it. Um, next episode. Now, this is scary for reasons, and I'm not going to say any more detail other than I don't. This is going to be a. This is actually going to be a pre-record episode, um, but I have not even started putting it together yet. So, I'm not going to explain why it's pre-record. I am very scared. It might be a shorter episode as a result of this, but it should be fun. Um, it should indeed be fun, uh, and um, it will definitely have some cameos from some people who I'll be travelling on a train with at some point about it, although nothing more about that, but uh, ooh, enjoy that. Now, it's the live episode coming up uh, to a drinkery near you in York, uh, and the date is indeed Saturday the 22nd of January uh, 2022. Um, there are details about this. There are details. What am I going to... Where is it? It is... Uh, 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 the, where is? Where have I put it? This, yes, here it is. It's on Eventbrite. And indeed, it has, if I press F5 on this, uh, tickets are now, wait for it, it's refreshing, everyone. Tickets are now on sale. You can go and buy tickets for this. Um, if you're a Patreon supporter, um, you can go and get, uh, you can get a discount, but uh, here it is, by the way, here's the details. You can find, I'll put a link in the description um, of this. I haven't put it up yet, but I'll put the link in the description. You can go, it will be at three o'clock. We'll be meeting at three o'clock, venue TBC, um, there'll be a bit of a warm-up, and then I'll kick off the episode proper at four o'clock. Uh, so it'll be a pre-record for for those who will be watching in pre-record, but um, it will be uh, it'll be live for those who attend. So it's a live recording. It'll be fun. It'll be boozy. It's going to be in a place where we can drink. Uh, there'll be alcohol. There'll be non-alcoholic drinks for those who don't want to drink. There'll be little nibbles that you can buy uh, depending on the venue. There uh, could be pizza. Could be. Uh, could be bow buns uh, we'll see depending on the venue but there is a provisional venue already booked by the way so this is happening um but it's not 
perfect because uh, they're booths and it's a bit small. So I'm hoping to get a slightly larger venue. But even if it is that venue, it's an awesome pub um, and it will be walking distance from the railway station. Um, it's uh, yeah. So so and it by the way, Patreon people, if there are gaps in this description or if any of you are, are not sure about a thing and you think I need to add it to the description, let me know and I'll do that. But the tickets are now on sale. There aren't that many around. I'm doing these in tranches. So there's only 20 tickets for this first tranche. There will be more. It might well be that I go up to 40 or potentially depending on venue, it could even be 50. But um, yeah, go go book. Uh, do it. Go go click, and it's worth saying that the the money for this go, will be going to um, York LGBT Forum. So the the, the profit we make, uh, the kind of and, and depending on which venue, it might be that all of the profit, so all of the ticket income from this, uh, other than the amount that de- that gets deducted for Eventbrite, uh, all the profit of that will go to York LGBT Forum. And I'm hoping, although I can't get through to them, they're not paying attention to my emails. So if if you're out there in York LGBT Forum or have any had any involvement with them, can you tell them to phone me back? Because uh, I'd love for one of them to come and just talk a little bit about what York LGBT Forum do. So there should be a little bit of, of uh, yeah, we'll have York L- someone from York LGBT Forum who's in who's uh, on the committee or, or runs the, or kind of involved in the running of the organisation could come and talk about uh, what York LGBT Forum do. So that should be great. I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, let's go big face, shall we, temporarily. Uh, yeah. Whew. Live episode. It's exciting. Um, I'm super excited for it. It's going to be in January. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to see if it works and then we'll maybe do another one um, if it works. But I, uh, I'm i looking forward to it. I get a chance to meet lots of you, uh, which should be a laugh. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you can go in and book tickets now, by the way. And if you're Patreon people, go go, go now, uh, do it and use your discount if you wish to. You don't have to use your discount if you don't want to. The money does go to charity, um, but you do get that benefit if you're a Patreon supporter. Um, I'm, I'm super excited about it. It's going to be fun. Right, questions. What questions were there? Uh, let's work my way back. Let's go up here and then work my way down. Um, uh, Ella is saying, as a serious proposal, was those electrified motorway doodads be somewhat useful to get stuff between rail yards and city centres, or is that just dumb? I know, not necessarily, but the thing is, we should just have rail yards, um, rather than the carbon impact of building that infrastructure, You can't. the electrified stuff doesn't really work in city centres anyway, so actually it's far better to have those hubs and then deliver onto, electric, you know, deliver onto the old electric milk float to take that stuff into the city centres, so I don't think it's necessary. Um... Joseph June, we talk about the elimination of Madrid-Barcelona fights, uh, flights and uh, Air Italia going bankrupt. But what about flights in Japan? Are those limited for Tokyo, eliminated for Tokyo-Osaka? That's a very good question. I don't know. I don't actually know. I should look that. Um, slap like now. Yeah, do click like if you, if you fancy it and do subscribe. I never say this because I always feel a bit sheepish when people say it. And it's a bit daft, but do, feel free to do that. It, it helps, you know, it helps things happen. Jeffrey Wong um Jeffrey Wong believes that devolution has failed. That's a, a decision I don't necessarily agree, a, 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 an opinion I don't necessarily agree with. Um, proportional representation means more transport investment. Again, that's not necessarily true. Um, it frustrates me that the whole report doesn't seem to understand how bad foot passenger links uh, through the UK's ports are. They've only got worse over time clearing space for cars. That's interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Um, uh, Richard Smith also says if you're lucky there's a crap bus link to from a port yeah that's a very good point there should be rail connections to ports uh, for sure Martha Lawrence saying abolish Heathrow to be honest Heathrow should never have been a civilian airport given local population density kill domestic flights entirely let Gatwick et al handle international aviation I, I kind of buy into that I'm, I'm, I'm up for that uh, let's see uh, oh that's disappeared. Uh, yes, Michael C. Details in description. Yeah, there will be. Uh, HST trains. What improvements would you recommend for the South Wales mainline given its bad state? Um, line speed improvements, um, electrification, uh, metrofication, so some two metro lines with stations along it as well as the fast lines uh, right the way along through to, to Swansea, uh, frankly. Um, and uh, what else? A new Severn Tunnel. So there needs to be a new high-speed Severn Tunnel that you build the new tunnel 
run everything through the seven tunnel that new tunnel to start with while you then totally rebuild reconstruct refurbish the old seven tunnel like totally strip back because it's a shambles in there then run the old tunnel as a metro as the as the high density link for the suburban services and then run the new one as the high speed link through uh, oh by the way big shout out to uh greens for hs2 as ever yeah with my usual train spot t-shirt <laughs> talking about merchandise um let's see let's go down here uh adam evans tokyo uh to osaka yes but since japan is very long people still fly a lot a certain gadget band might fix that yeah, chuo shinkansen might fix that if they ever finish it good grief right that was the questions um thanks for all that thanks for the discussion everyone you've been a wonderful audience as ever i'm gonna this is cold now my tea ish i'm gonna finish that i'm gonna go down and have some dinner because i'm not at dinner i'm very hungry you've been a wonderful audience it's been lovely to share the evening with you um, go watch the rest of that debate. I don't know if there was even if the vote was even brought because the COVID thing kind of split it, and 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 I don't know if the, the opposition day debate has even ha- the vote has even happened. That'd be frustrating. But um, Louise uh, did a fantastic job, and I'm, I think she's going to be a great. I hope she stays in post a long time. She's going to be a great shadow transport, and hopefully eventually a the um, secretary of state for transport uh, stuff this government. Uh, vote Labour, or just at least vote in a way that means the Tories don't get in. Right on that note. Cheerio! (laughs) Cheerio! Cheerio!